your Pittsburgh Pirates are on top of the NL Central and on top of the National League right now. So I feel like people's focus kind of just drifts down to Indianapolis, maybe to Altoona a little bit, and then it kind of stops and you forget about all these guys that you were excited to see play, the guys that we had signed in the international market, people that we had drafted last year that are going to be, you know, getting some work here in the FCL when it starts, the DSL. You know, I mean, we're seeing some of them in Bradenton right now. And I'm going straight to the source right here. If anybody doesn't, uh, Eric Garfield is a great, great source of knowledge, not only in the pirate system, but all over Florida. You may know him as Eric Birdland. You'll see the Orioles stuff all over there. Pirates fans, maybe just ignore that for a second or learn some a little bit about the Orioles system as well. Eric, how you doing today, brother? I'm excellent. Happy Friday, and thank you for uh, having me on one of my favorite shows and for uh, the brilliant introduction. I really appreciate that. I'm going to play it for my mom so she hears me. Here's somebody say that I'm a good source of information. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, it, our moms are, are good for that. They, they, my mom will share all of my stuff all over the place. And I ask her who she's sharing it to. And she's just like, I just want everybody to see what you're doing. And I'm like, thanks mom. <laughs> but, right. Same way. Yeah. Same way. And afterwards I'll get all of your ads at Twitter at Instagram at all the stuff that you do, man. You're, you're super busy right now. I, basically sitting up to watch a little bit of an extended spring training workout uh, with the Pirates and Orioles system. Hopefully the weather holds out for that. But kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, some of the players that that you get to see that, you know, unless we get like a clip uh, from one of the players on Instagram or, you know, if they're not following you on Instagram at, you know, at Eric underscore Birdland 22 – we don't really get a good glimpse of, you know, what's going on with some of those players. So as far as the pirate system, what are some guys on the backfields and when they get to play at the regular stadium that you're kind of looking at for the Pittsburgh pirates? The two biggest impact players that I've seen in practice and low intensity games are the infielder, Jordani De Los Santos and the catcher, Axial Plaz. Those are the two like headliners from from the new the new group this year. And there's a couple holdovers from years past. I know Esmerlin Valdez, the outfielder, is hitting it really hard. Uh, Omar Alfonso, the lefty catcher, has been doing well and sharing a lot of his cage sessions with me. So those, those that's like the offensive nucleus. But those first two guys are the ones that are. Uh, most exciting to me, and I think the more that Pirates fans see them, they're, they're going to feel a very similar way. Yeah, and people, I mean, they, they remember the names. They're, they're like, oh, we, you know, your Donald Los Santos was one of the top international signings. Uh, Plaz is a guy that, I mean, I've written about. I see you sharing a bunch of stuff from. He's, he's big on the social media. He, a lot of the stuff is his workouts. The man, the man hits the gym. And I should say I shouldn't yep. say man, the kid. He he may not, he may look like a, a man, but he's he's actually a kid. Hits the gym pretty hard. Super nice guy. Just great engagement. And 
you know, is, yep. is willing to share whatever he can with, you know, whoever would ask him of that. Now, you did say when we were kind of chatting the other day that there was another big name that you kind of saw and another big guy that you kind of saw here um, at least showing up at the practice facility. Uh, you're going to have to remind me. He's, he's a junior. A Tony Blanco Jr.? That's so right, right, right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right, I was very surprised. Uh, I saw, I saw, you know, one of the one of the clues that I use to find out who's going to be in this practice environment is air or, or leaving, like to go to a minor league affiliate, <clears throat> is airport photographs or airport posts on social media. And I've been following Blanco for a while, and I've talked to him. And a couple, I want to say, like eight days ago, he posted in that he was in. Uh, Miami, so that's obviously in the United States and in Florida, and I had wondered, speculated, if that meant that he was coming here, and I found out that I was correct, and he will be here. In fact, I'm waiting for the Pirates bus to pull into the Sarasota Stadium right now, so I might be 15 minutes away from seeing him for the first time. Which would be pretty awesome, and that's the thing about this, is people like really don't, they don't get like the whole extended spring training if there's no stats you know to look at from the fcl the dsl assignments may not have been i mean they're kind of getting worked out at this point in time and then also if you know there would be some sort of injury up in bradenton possibly greensboro i mean we've seen guys take you know big jumps before uh especially guys that were you know drafted or signed this past year I mean, I don't exactly know what Blanco is going to be or what he projects to be, but I've seen pictures and baseball cards, and he looks like he's enormous. And this is the kind of uh, environment or competition level where he's going to be facing some moderate, difficult pitchers and a few easy ones. So we're going to see where that bat plays in a... Yeah, I guess in the structure of American Pirates baseball. And I have a feeling, based on what I've read and who I've talked to, that a lot of his balls are going to be, uh, or a lot of his hits are going to be extra bases. So I'm very optimistic, very excited about Blanco. Yeah, and, and what other people, you know, kind of, I mean, may not get from this, a, a lot of the stuff that goes on there is that, you know, with the minor league affiliates being, you know, kind of, whittled down to you know the top four in in indianapolis and altoona and greensboro and then bradenton and i i said at some point in time maybe in the next year or so i i I won't be mentioning that anymore with you know the the pirates you know bristol pirates the the advanced rookie affiliate um being there there's a decent amount of guys that you know you may have seen at those places that are still in the extended spring training and will be starting um, out in, you know, in in the FCL or, or extended spring training at this point in time. I, a guy that you mentioned before we jumped on here um, in, a, in a Michael Kennedy, uh, Gatorade pitcher of the yep. year for New York, fourth round draft pick, given the, the uh, million dollar bonus, just a, a great, you know, lefty pitcher. Um, it's possible that it could have been a Bristol but also, you know, not knowing how they're working him this year uh, and what they're working him up towards, I mean, we may not see that normal workload this year. I agree with you there. I think I do know what, what 
his projection is going to be. I know that for a guy like him, a little bit of college pedigree, a little bit of uh, or a, a little bit of, of amateur pedigree, a little bit of expectations. I don't think he's going to be at extended very long, but he is he is there right now, as in today. That could change by Monday. And from what I was told at the beginning of the season, it's not going to be a long time for him uh, in extended. He's going to join the the Marauders pitching staff and see what he can do against the uh, the Florida State League. So I'd say maybe one or two more appearances if they do the five day thing for like making a start. Then I I think that'll probably be it for Kennedy, and then it'll be on the Marauders. Another one that you had mentioned before we we ju- jumped on here in in Shungshuk Shim, uh, he's oh, yeah. a guy that has shown at least through the the evaluation process as a more advanced arm uh than i i then even say like a, a po yu chen who did get like a little bit of run up they saw he was dominant in the fcl and then you know was up with the marauders and is now with uh the greensboro grasshopper so ben sherrington and company have shown that they will be you know fairly aggressive with some of these younger uh players yeah, and Shim, it, you're, you're, you're right to separate him from Chen. I think as pitchers, they're not in the same class. And as far as athletes, if you stood next to them, you would see they're, they're, they're not the same size. Chen is a skinny shooting guard type. Shim is a power forward. He's enormous. I could not believe how big he was when I, when I met him. And I've met him now, I think, like four or five times. He goes to the Marauders games. I've seen him at Pirate City on days when he's not pitching. He goes to watch. He's learning English. This, this is a big guy. And from what I've been told by my friends that work for the Pirates, he has every kind of pitch. He has a very high level of baseball IQ. So, like, the transition from his, his training to uh, being dominant in the, in the American game is not expected to be a difficult transition at all. He really he doesn't pitch backwards. He likes to establish counts with the heat. And then mix in the secondaries. This this is a very, very, very big person. Also, I imagine his total workload for this year in not practice like real innings is going to be less than 50, but close to 50. Maybe between 40 and 50 total innings. So that, that could be the FCL. That could be extended. And that's where, I mean, we've seen that even with, you know, players that had been promoted, even like an Anthony Solomedo. Uh already mentioned you know po yu chen baba chandler it's not like they are giving them these enormous you know pitching windows to it's not like they're asking him like you like you said you know a a 50 innings they're not looking for them to throw like you know upwards of 100 innings or or anything like that so people are kind of trying to see that but that's like been you know what we've seen at the marauders level and at the fcl level for over the past couple of years, especially since Ben Sherrington has taken over. So it's, it's maybe something that we could kind of get used to. And if they're seeing what they're working on and what their level is at more than the workload, it's who they're going to face. They're moving players up, you know, not based on if they're stretched out, if their, you know, work level is workload is, is higher. It's more of, okay, are you able to, you know, be successful against this level of competition. Yeah, and I think that's a very smart and, I guess, modern way for teams to operate. And 
some Pirates fans don't see them as intelligent and at the forefront of some movements in baseball, and I kind of do, and I'm the one that's that's here watching. Another huge one, Craig, is nutrition and fitness. That really has to do with it. They want innings. They want work. They want to know, not be pretty sure what Shim can do, but they don't want to do it until he is in their view of optimal baseball shape, and he's not there yet. So that really could take the better part of 15 to 20 months. Their trainers and their facility in Pirate City, you know, it's it's hard for listeners to understand this when I just say it, but every team has an advanced gym. Every team has workout equipment that benefits their athletes immensely. The Pirates have more of it and bigger of it. Their gym in Pirate City is like the size of a shopping mall. Guys get bigger because they don't have to wait in line. Like, I'm, I'm outside the Orioles facility right now. And their gym is like the size of a regular gymnasium gym. Guys do have to wait in line. Sometimes you have to plan a session like as a group. In Pirate City, they just go in, keep to their schedule, get with the trainers, and get in shape. I'm noticing a big, big difference in players' bodies from their first year getting to Pirate City and then the year after that. That's that's great stuff to hear. And, yeah, the people that haven't been to Pirate City, I mean, they don't understand it's a city. Like it is a big, a big, big place to to see. And I mean, it's just, it's showing, you know, what Ben Sherrington and I, and to tie it back into that is that, you know, development was one of the key things that he's shown. One of the key things that we've talked about, we've had, you know, former, you know, Pirates uh, pitching coaches on before and like an Eric Minshaw and him saying, you know, the stuff that we wanted, like the advanced, you know, analytics stuff, it, it wasn't being put in place under the previous regime. Uh, pretty much anything that, you know, Ben Charrington's people in the minor leagues are saying this will help with development. I mean, he's implementing. John Baker's implementing. Whoever it would be is, I mean, they're putting all of this stuff in place. Yeah, I like it. People don't, it's, it's it, you know how baseball is. It takes waves of movements for millions of fans to be convinced. I'm, I'm not millions of fans. I'm the one that's at the Pirates' property. I'm, I, I'm friends with the video staff or the training staff or the player personnel people. I think Pirates are fine. The Pirates are rebuilding in the right direction. And Ben, he gets a lot of criticism, and he's doing a very difficult job being sponsored by an obviously cheap owner. I think Ben has done excellent with his drafts and his player personnel movement. My favorite one, I'm sorry to get off topic, is trading Jose Quintana, who's basically there to be traded for Malcolm Nunez. I've seen Malcolm Nunez, and I love him, and I've seen Quintana, and I would have traded him as well. Yeah, and that's the tough part. And I mean, I had Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic on our regular show, uh, as opposed to our minor league show. show. And, you know, it was something that, you know, he kind of talked about, which, you know, was, you know, trading away players and and trying to get the best value to, you know, keep the minor league system built up to also, you know, keep the major league team on the level now that, you know, we've started to experience some success. But in the end, it comes down to scouting and development, because if you're not picking the right guys, if you're not, you know, developing them properly, then... This kind of goes all for naught. I mean, you could have, you know, 
a year or two of success, but it kind of seems that Ben Sherrington is setting this up for an extended period of success. I would agree. And the drafts are exactly what tell me that. And the minimal usage of Tamar this year, as he's getting to optimal health, is telling me that. Nobody, nobody that I talk to or that I interact with on the Pirates minor league side is really in a rush. They would like to make positive progress. And they, to a degree, they'd like to keep their jobs. But they want to get the guys that they trust, some of them you just mentioned, better so they can play winning baseball at the highest level. Strangely, and really out of nowhere, the Major League team is taking care of their part of that equation this year. I mean, they, they really are playing among the best baseball out of any team that, that there is. Another great example of that was Bubba. Bubba had a an exhibition start at the Orioles facility on the other side of Sarasota. He went five innings. He really did not do well. A lot of pitches. Wasn't finishing stuff off with two strikes. So the game, you know, he, he, he's done. He's allowed to walk around, and everybody's walking around. So I go over and I talk to him, and I was like, hey, man, you feel like you're getting ready for the season? And he's like, no, I just wanted to get through whatever my pitch limit was, 80 or 90 pitches, and see how I was fatigued afterwards. You know, this is the last start of spring training. I'm just trying to get into the season healthy. Like, in years past, Pirates management – puts pressure on the coaches and the trainers who then put pressure on the players. Like you've got to do everything well, every second, every time, because we've been bad for years. That is all gone. So that to me is a, an immense positive. The, the attitude adjustment that's come with some, some of the new people, the new coaches and the new draft picks. And one thing you mentioned there that really stuck out to me was with Tamar Johnson, because when he was, you know, on the IL to, to begin the season, the one thing they said is we're working with him on his running technique, which is not something yep. you would have ever heard previously. It was like, well, we noticed something in what he does that may be contributing, you know, to him, you know, coming up injured. So we're going to try to fix that as opposed to, either rushing him back or just doing, you know, the normal set of stuff to get him back. And it's like, okay, is like feeling good? Okay, that's great. But instead, they said, how can we prevent, you know, something like this happening in the future? And to me, that's not something, you know, as a person who's followed the pirate system for a decent amount of time, it's not something I'd really ever heard before. Examine the athletic movements of your athletes. That is the sign of a smart club or a smart organization, not just a smart trainer like everybody. So, right, we want his, we want tomorrow's hamstrings better. We want him to get the second on balls that he should, but we want him to do it right over the course of 500 at-bats or maybe 10 professional baseball seasons. So, right, fix it at the beginning. Craig, what is 35 at-bats in April at Bradenton really worth? in development not a lot it's definitely not worth a lot because i mean i on my last show here i talked to people about you know what you're supposed to be watching you know from those players in the minor leagues i said a lot of it was like patience at the plate a lot of it is approach i mean you do want to see those guys you know making the hard contact doing well and whatever but it's also just the the little things that they're doing within the game but yeah 35 plate appearances 
you know, isn't a whole lot. But you have been able to go over and watch some Marauders games. So I did want to touch with you on, uh, you know, some of the players uh, down in Bradenton that have been sticking out to you and ones that you're kind of like, man, this guy has has taken some some strides from when I saw him, you know, maybe on the backfields last year or something like that. Great question. I've got one for you right off the bat. That's not a baseball pun. There was a guy that I've been watching for, I guess, two seasons or two and a half seasons, and I thought he was just a regular player, like a space filler. And he has proven me wrong early on in Bradenton. That is left-handed hitting outfielder Emmanuel Torero. Every game I think he's going to go 0 for 4 or go 0 for 5, and every game I'm at, he gets two hits. And some of them are like the game-winning RBI. So he's a player who's made that transition into affiliated ball and kind of lifted his game and proven me to be absolutely wrong and completely incorrect in in his evaluation. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, Mojica is back, hitting it hard like he did in, in 2021. That also is kind of a, 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 a shock, like out of, an out-of-nowhere thing. Uh, the catchers, I mean, Samillo hasn't hit it as well as he did in the ex- exhibitions. Planchard has a little bit. Um, watching Braylon Bishop start to get a little more comfortable translating his athleticism to the field. Uh, Shalen Polanco's there too. He's been inconsistent, but you can tell he's not going to have a problem when he's finished transitioning. So there's, there's some good guys that are in the mix, but I'm waiting for Omar Alfonso. I'm waiting for Plaz. I'm waiting for Esmeralda Valdez. I don't think anyone on Bradenton has the true power of Esmeralda Valdez. And I, I'd like to see it play against better pitchers. Yeah, and that's the thing that you're talking about is, you know, especially as they go up through the levels, is, is you know, facing that higher competition. Especially, you know, I, I hate to look that forward. I mean, it's like, you know, three months into the, bit the draft. Uh, some of the players that will come in from that, depending on, you know, if they're facing, like I, I said, in, in previous years, you really wouldn't be facing too much, you know, college level pitching in the FCL. But now that's become a little bit more commonplace, especially in Bradenton. It's it's going to be, it's very exciting to, you know, everybody's, like I said, looking at uh, Indianapolis, a little bit down to uh, Altoona, somewhat uh, into Greensboro, you know, with some of the pitchers that are there, some of the hitters that are there, but just to see before it'd be like, okay, well, once those guys are gone, there's not a whole lot backing them up on, you know, in the Bradenton and FCL level. Uh, it does. It does appear that that's correct. And I guess we're going to find out, but we're going to find out what, what that whole population includes by the, by the end of May, there were a couple players that told me their assignment at the beginning of the season, and they were like, it's only for 20 days. Actually, more than a couple, several. So I have a feeling moves are going to be like a group of moves is going to be imminent. I thought it would be like when Tamar came back, that's when they'd start doing it. But he's been back for, I guess, the better part of a week now. And also really playing and hitting well and really moving well also. So let's give the Pirates a couple thumbs up for for delaying uh, tomorrow's uh, uh, 2023 debut. But we'll, we'll, we'll see where people land 
by May, by the end of May, the middle or the end of May. Okay, Good well, I'm, question. I'm definitely looking forward to that, man. And for anybody that doesn't, I'm going to throw out all the handles. We got on Twitter, we got at Eric underscore Birdland. For those of you that don't, you have to listen to the Florida Prospect Report. That's at FL Prospect Pod. Go follow uh, Eric's uh, partner in crime, Bailey, at XWOB Bailey. <laughs> and then also Instagram, man. I'm, I'm not a huge Instagram person, but for anybody that is, um, Eric underscore Birdland22. Uh, great videos of the Pirates prospects, Orioles prospects, actually any prospect in Florida, hence the Florida Prospect Report. <laughs> and that's why I call these guys in, because you guys are boots on the ground and a lot of respect for that. So uh, anybody that reads my articles at Inside the Bucks Basement on the prospects, you will see a lot of the videos that are shared and basically saying, go follow you know, those guys, and, and Eric, you are definitely one of those, so for where I'm getting my information, everybody, go straight to the source at times, go straight to Eric, and Eric, this was a great time, brother, and I hope we get to do it again sometime. I'm open to it anytime. I listen, like a lot of other Pirates pods that I'm on, I listen to every episode you pop out, so I'll be interacting with you through messaging. Thank you for having me on. And I'm glad we can have a civil discussion about baseball and the uh, the Pirates' future. Absolutely. There's a lot to look forward to for, for Pirates fans. Absolutely, brother. Have a good one. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. A big thank you once again to our guest, Eric Garfield, Eric Birdland, one half of the Florida Prospect Report. But right now, it's time for some beer reviews. And this time, we went with the TNT Mixed 4-Pack from over at Creekside Beer. Uh, Just not another beer distributor. My favorite place to go pick up craft beers. Anything I'm really looking for, uh, follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it would be to get the releases that they have. Uh, This week, it's Dancing Gnome Citra Jam, an American IPA coming in at 6.8%. Gave it the 375 Boba based on batting average. With it being an IPA, that comes down to a 325, a good, solid drinking beer. Our second one is from 11th Hour Brewing Company, and it is called Colbert. It's a New England-style IPA, and as anybody that drinks the New England styles, you know that they're going to be hazy. This one, a little bit heavier, coming in at about 7%. Man, this was a good beer. I gave this a 425. The weighted boba brings it down to a 375. Uh, sticking with a another IPA, but this is a hazy, double, dry hopped from Hop Farm. And it is called Adjective Plus Noun. Man, 
This one was heavy 7.9%. Everybody knows these ones put me to sleep, but they definitely are good drinking beers. This one comes in at a 350. The weighted boba takes it down to 300. And then, this is my first sour here. I, I, I'd I never had the adjusted, the weighted boba for a sour. So I figured since I'm not a big sour person, I would take it the opposite direction uh, of the IPAs, the lagers. Uh, so it's going to get a little bit of a boost. This is Arbduration Brew Company. And this is their ice cream sour volume one point 13 and this one was like a peach ice cream pretzel i mean it, not something i would normally probably drink coming in at 5.6 but the first sip it, it caught you like right back there in the back where it's like that sour taste where you kind of pucker up but then after that it was actually really smooth drinking i gave that a 300 weighted up to a 350 and as it is every single time that i walk into creekside beer something always catches my eye and this time it was four points brewing a 5.5 small batch ipa named black and yellow so how could i not drink it how could i not love it coming in at 400 with the weighted boba of 350 um, for those who are going to be listening to this when it comes to your ears on saturday uh, the pirates game was rained out going to be a double header altoona game rained out going to be a double header uh no streaming on the bradenton so it looks like tonight it's a greensboro double header hopefully for me i didn't check out to see if that one was streaming definitely gonna at least listen to one of them uh, for you that don't already, go follow at Bucks Basement. That's me, Craig Toth. Go follow at Minor League News and Brews. Follow our guest, uh, Eric Birdland. Follow his uh, podcast with his buddy, uh, Bailey. And just take in as much Minor League Baseball as you can. Let's go Bucks. Let's go Indians. Let's go Curve. Grasshoppers and Marauders.